Well, as I said, good morning, Life Church. Good morning. Hey, it's so great to see you out here this morning. I was driving out here, you know, and I was going over the overbridges and, and seeing you can see the mountains in the distance. And it's like, you guys have the best region that we've got, I reckon. This is such a great place to be. Yeah, come on. I think we can clap. Come on. Lincoln is a good place to be on a Sunday morning. And I just want to say before I get started, you know, the last time I was out with you guys, you were out in Lincoln High School. You're in the school hall, and I know that's probably a bad memory that some of you want to forget about. But we can look back and we can be thankful for what God has done, right? And I think what I've loved about being here compared to that is there is such a great atmosphere in this room. Like, and it's often, I think it's kind of like, you know how when we grow up, we often don't see the progression, you know, but then our, our, our distant relative will come and go, wow, look how much you've grown. You've grown. And you're like, oh, have I really? But then you measure up against the thing on the wall and you're like, oh, well, I have. And I feel that coming out here this morning compared to when I was last with you guys. There's growth, there's faith, and it's just so exciting to see. So I've been really looking forward to being out here with you all in your new venue. Praise God for this new venue and celebrating this new season that you're in. And it's just so wonderful to see so many faces that I don't recognize this morning. And so if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Jono, and I'm one of the team here at Life Church. And among other things, I look after our youth ministry, our raggedy teenagers that we've got. But yeah, you should totally follow us on Instagram because youth merge on a Tuesday, we sing that song, Zeal, that goes to another level. If you want to see Zeal completely consuming someone, you want to see that. And it's just such a great privilege for me to come out here and share the word with you this morning. And as you know, over the past few weeks, we've been discussing going out fishing again, getting out on the water, going fishing again. We've taken a season to clean and to mend our nets. And now that's a lifelong journey. You know, that is a journey that doesn't just stop at the end of a sermon series. Cleaning and mending our nets is a lifelong journey. After we've cleaned and amended, we've got to keep our nets maintained. You know, we've got to make sure that holes don't reopen so we don't stop looking after our nets. But now we're talking about getting out on the water again. Getting out in the boat, putting our nets down for a catch. And ultimately, what we're talking about is having influence. You know, when Jesus told his disciples that they would be fishers of men, he wasn't meaning that they would literally go out and throw their fishing nets on randoms in the street and drag them into their boat. What Jesus was saying was that they would, their lives would now have a greater calling. And that calling would be to influence people with the good news of the gospel. Now you and I have influence. We have influence. We have influence on the people around us. Some of us have a greater degree of influence than others. But by nature of the fact that we're all human beings, we impact and we influence each other. And you can see this proven true in marriage. One of the side effects of being in close proximity to someone for an extended period of time is you begin to become like each other. You begin to become like each other. And Anna and I have noticed this in the short five years that we've been married. The more we go on, the more we start to talk the same. You know, like the, the way when, when we're having a conversation with someone together and it's those little mannerisms, the way, oh yeah, that's great. The way you start saying the same phrases and the same words, you start to influence the way each other talk. Does there some couples who know what I'm talking about? We even start to look the same. Like, we've started, like you start dressing the same. Now, Julia can tell you the amount of flack that we used to get in the office because we'd turn up to work and we'd be wearing the same outfit 
even though we'd gotten dressed completely separately. Like I'd gotten dressed, I'd left before she'd gotten up, and then she gets up and we turn up and we're in like the same outfit or some similar clothes. Our tastes become similar, the things we enjoy become similar, our mannerisms, all these things, the way that we see the world starts to become similar. I don't know if this part's true for other couples, but we've had people ask if we're siblings. We're like, like, are you guys brother and sister? We're like, <laughs> no, we're married with two kids. You start to influence each other. You become like each other. But this isn't just true in marriage. This applies to your close friends, your family members, your work colleagues. You have an influence in people's lives. And it's often a greater one than you may think. Earlier this year, I was reading through the book of Matthew. And I want to read to you a verse from that book. It's from Matthew 5, verse 1 and 2. One day, this is Jesus. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Just one day. One day. Doesn't seem like there's anything special about this day. Doesn't seem anything out of the ordinary. We read about that. It seems pretty standard for Jesus' life. Just one day. Nothing significant. Just another day. This was early on in Jesus' ministry. So he was traveling around the region of Galilee. And so from what we read, he was probably traveling from one town to another. But as he's traveling, some people figure out where he is. So they go find him. And then before you know it, there's a crowd gathered around Jesus. Just one day. Jesus hadn't put out a call to say that he was going to be in this location at this time. He hadn't had an event planner organizing this big event where it was all going to be there. He hadn't been active on his social media saying, hey, 10 o'clock, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be preaching. He didn't pull out his iPad with his pre-written sermon ready to go. No, just one day as Jesus was going about his ordinary life, he noticed there was a crowd gathered around him. He noticed he had influence. And what Jesus did in that moment was he took the influence that he had, he took the opportunity that was before him, and he used it to point people towards God. He noticed he had influence. He noticed he had an opportunity. So he went up on the mountainside. Even though he was traveling from one place to another, he went up on the mountainside, and he began to teach them. And we all have the same choice Jesus did. We can either ignore our influence and just put our head down. Jesus could have just kept traveling and ignored the crowd, we can either use our influence to point people towards ourselves, or we can use it to point people towards Christ. Because influence can get you a lot of things. You don't have to look far in this world to see the impact that influence can have. Elections, marketing, financial gains, popularity, social media status, friendships. So many things come down to the influence that we can have on one another. We even have the marketing term now, social media influencer, which is a person who has a large enough presence on social media that they can impact the buying decisions of the people that follow them. And these have become the biggest trend in marketing recently because brands have realized that the best salespeople are our friends and family. A brand can spend millions of dollars in marketing and advertising, put out all these ads and advertise their product, but we are so much more likely to buy something if someone that we know, love, and trust has used it and endorses it. 
And so they partner with these social media influencers because we see them on our feeds, our social media feeds every day. You know, they're posting things and so we get a glimpse into their life. And so we feel there's a level of relationship there. They've got no idea who we are, but because we see them on our feeds, we feel like we know them, we feel like we're close to them. They have an impact on us, so much so that when they recommend a product, it's far more effective in influencing our decision than if we just saw an ad somewhere on TV or YouTube or wherever else. It's because people have a great influence. And so what will we use our influence for? I think most of us as followers of Jesus, we have the desire to use our influence for the kingdom. We want to see people come to know the love of Christ. We want to influence the people that we love and we care about with the good news of the gospel, but often we can struggle in knowing how. How do I influence people? How do I live a godly influence in this life? How do I bring people to Christ? And I think one of the biggest keys for living a life of influence is living a life of faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. A life of faith where Christ is at the center, where you know that he has access to your whole life, where you spend time in the word and in prayer and in worship. Read this from Luke 5, verse 15 and 16. It said, vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Vast crowds came to hear him preach. He had a great influence. People wanted to hear what he had to say, but he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus knew that if he was going to be an influence in this world, then God needed to be the primary influence in his life. If he was going to do anything significant for the kingdom of God, if he was going to be the influence that God needed him to be, his primary influence, the thing that affected his decision-making, needed to be God. And we've already talked about that when you're in close proximity with someone, you start to become more like that person. In order to become more Christ-like, we have to spend more time with Christ. You don't become like someone you only see once a week. You become like someone that you have a daily relationship with, with his intimacy, with his close proximity, with his access to a day-to-day life. But one of the wonderful things that happens when we live with close proximity to Christ is we live with a new sense of hope. And faith is one of the outward expressions, sorry, hope is one of the outward expressions of faith. And I truly believe that one of the greatest ways we'll influence this world is by living a lifestyle of hope. A life where hope shines out of your life. You want people to see the reality of Jesus in your life. Live a lifestyle of hope. Live with hope in your heart. Yes, I'm going through a tough time right now, but I know God is leading me through it. Yes, this is difficult currently, but I know God has a great plan for my life. Yeah, I'm unsure about what's happening in the world right now, but I know that God is good and that he is in control. I know my boss is being a pain right now, but I can still speak honoring of them. Yeah, I can't be bothered being at work today either, but I can still work with a smile on my face. Hope is a testimony that speaks far louder than words. And the reality is, is that our world is craving hope. They're craving the peace that comes from a hope-filled life. Because a hope-filled life gives you peace. 
because you can go through things. Things can be happening around you, but the hope in your heart, the faith in your heart says, I know I'm going through this. This is difficult right now. I'm unsure of what the future is, but I have a God that is leading me through it. I have a God that is with me in the darkness. And 1 Peter 3.15 is when someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Hey, why are you so joyful? Why do you always show up to work with a smile on your face? How come you put up with our rubbish manager? Why do you never talk bad about them? How come you don't gossip? Why don't you swear? Why don't you get really angry? Those are the one day moments. Those moments where you have an opportunity like Jesus did to use your influence to point people towards God. Why are you so joyful? Because I know what Jesus has done for me. I believe I serve a God that has redeemed me and saved me. Why do you always show up to work with a smile on your face? Because it's a blessing from God to be able to work at all. And I love being able to use my gifts and talents to serve people and to love people, even in my workplace. How do you put up with our manager? They're always so unfair. They're always so rubbish because they're a loved child of God as well. And they're worthy of my love and my respect. Hope is an influence that will open doors for conversations about Christ. And then the last one is love. But I want to speak about true love. Because often we hear the word love and we think of it as being kind to people, being nice to people, treating them well, treating them with dignity, holding the door open for them, all of which is totally valid. That's an aspect of love. But as a follower of Christ, true love is caring for someone else's eternity. Caring for their eternal destination. And what I love about Jesus' life is we regularly see him being interrupted by people or crowds. He might be on his way to do something or on his way to another location, but he allows his life to be interrupted because he sees opportunities where he can use his influence to point people towards God. This is how we should approach our lives. We go about our day-to-day lives. We go to work, but we live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit's promptings so that when opportunities like that come up, we don't just put our heads through and carry on, but we stop. We allow our life to be interrupted and we use it to sow a seed into people's lives. We don't have to storm into our workplace preaching the gospel. But when opportunities come, when people ask questions, when people ask you what you got up to this weekend, you have an opportunity to point people towards God. That's living a life of love. Where you're caring enough about someone else's eternity that you're willing to be interrupted. You're willing to have an uncomfortable conversation. It might be an awkward conversation, but it might help someone get closer to God. And you know what's amazing is that on this one day when Jesus noticed the crowd, just this one day as he was traveling, he allowed his life to be interrupted. He saw an opportunity. I can have influence here. The teaching he went on to deliver is what we know today as the Sermon on the Mount is widely considered one of the greatest moral teachings in all of history. Some of Jesus' most, it's the longest passage of a sermon that we have from Jesus' life. There's things people study over. It forms such a foundational aspect of what we believe. Some of the greatest writing ever written, all because one day, Jesus noticed he had influence. You never know what the scale of your influence could be. The impact that one conversation might have. Yet Jesus was only able to have that level of influence because God was the primary influence in his life. 
This teaching came from an overflow of his relationship with the Father. And it's the same with us. If we want to see the people in our world's influence for Christ, our influence will come from an overflow of our relationship with God. We see people the way he sees them. When he knows what's going on in someone's life, and so he can give you that word of knowledge, or he can give you that sense of, I need to have a conversation with this person today. Ultimately, God is the one who will determine the level of our influence. He's the one who opens and shuts doors in our life. Often we can be afraid of using our influence to point people towards Christ because of the fear of man. We're worried that people will think we're strange. Well, we are, but we're afraid people might find out. We're afraid that people will reject us. We're nervous that it'll mean missing out on opportunities if people find out I believe in God. If people find out I go to church, my sports team, I might not get as far up in the grades or in the ranks. I really want my boss to like me. I want to have favor in my workplace. So I'll just hide the fact that I go to church. But your primary calling isn't to other people. Your primary calling isn't to your boss. It isn't to your friends. Your primary calling is to God and to worship him with your whole heart. But the great thing is, is that when you remember that he is the one that opens doors, he is the one who determines your steps, he's the one who gives you opportunities, then you can live like Paul did when he says in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Your workplace is one of the greatest opportunities for ministry in your life. You have proximity with these people. You have relationship with these people. And I don't see any feasible reason why the people in our lives shouldn't know that we love Jesus. They shouldn't know that Christ is at the center. You know, when I started my previous job before this one, within about two weeks, everyone on my, in my workplace knew I was a Christian. They knew I loved God. And it wasn't because I went around preaching about it. I didn't proclaim it on the shop floor every shift. It was simply because when, I was, when they asked me, what are you getting up to this week? I'm youth leading tonight. I'm a youth leader at my youth group. I'm going to life group later this week. Sorry, I can't work that shift because I have church then, but let me work a little bit later. I'd love to help you out. And throughout my time at my workplace, I tried to work hard, tried to be a good employee, tried to be honoring of my boss. I wasn't perfect, but I tried to live a life of faith and hope and love, and so while so far none of those people that I know of are following God, they're not going to a church, I know I've planted seeds in their life. I know I've planted seeds in their life, and my prayer is that one day someone else will water them. In a world full of incorrect stereotypes of what being a Christian means and looks like, I know that each of those people has had a different perspective. You don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. Because you can rest in the confidence that God will provide you everything you need. Yes, it might not work out the way you think it will. It might not even work out the way you want it. Yes, you might miss out on opportunities that you otherwise would have gotten. But I want God's plan for my life, not my own. I want His plan because I believe that He can do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ask, think, or imagine. So I want that plan for my life. And Matthew 28, 18 tells me that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on this earth. All authority in heaven and on earth. That means that whatever he says goes. Whatever he says is going to happen. That's the team that I want to be on. That's the person I want to be backing. I want to have that person in my life. He opens doors that no man can close. Where people might have closed doors in your life, Christ can open them. He can give you opportunities that no man could ever make away. 
And so while I might face some temporary opposition, I might face some rejection, I might have some lonely moments, I might not be the most popular person in the world all the time, I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the one who is in me has faced opposition. The one who is in me has gone through rejection. He has been lonely. He wasn't always the most popular person, but he faced it all. And he has all authority. He has all power. That's the person I want to be with because I've seen his goodness. I've seen his grace. I've witnessed his restoring power. I've seen him transform my life. And so I'm standing with the one who has all authority. I'm with the one who has all power. I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. Because it is the power of God at work in me. You have the power of God at work in your life. You don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. If the band lights come join me, that'd be great. You know, there is a crowd around your life. For some, it might be a small crowd. For others, it will be larger. But there are people in your world that you have influence in. And part of going out fishing again, part of living on mission, part of living with Christ at the center is giving him access to that influence. Earlier I talked about social media influences and how the reason they're the biggest marketing trend right now is because people are more likely to buy something if someone they know and they trust endorses it. I think it's the same with the gospel. When you live a life of faith, when you live a life of hope, a life of love, you become someone that people trust. Someone that people love. That is influence. And it's all well and good for me to get up here and talk about how great Christ is and how, God is, how good God is. And that's important and it's necessary. But there is so much power when people see Christ at work in your life. Because now it's not just some brand. Now it's not just some organization. It's not just some institution. Now it's you. Someone who I know has integrity. I know this person's character. I've seen that their life is full of joy. I've seen their life is full of hope. Maybe there's something more here than I had previously thought. And so my encouragement to you as I finish is, who is the crowd around your life? Who are the people that God is calling you to influence? Be bold with your influence. You don't have to explain the entire gospel to them but start by telling them you went to church in the weekend. Tell them how you served on team. You sacrificed some of your time in your weekend to make something like this happen. Tell them how your kids had a great time in Life Kids. Tell them you've got Life Group later on this week. Tell them they'd probably really enjoy church more than they think. Tell them about how God's answered prayers in your life. Tell them about the hope you carry. You don't have to lie and say that everything's great in your life. But you can give them the perspective of, even though it's like that, I know I've got a God who's bringing me through it. They may think it's odd. They may think it's strange. But they can't deny the kind of life you live. They can't deny the hope that's in your heart. And so when they see stereotypes in the media, stereotypes in the news or on Netflix, they'll better look at your life and go, well, that actually hasn't been my experience. They live differently to what I've been portrayed. There's something different there than what I've seen elsewhere. Maybe there's something there. Because ultimately, I believe it's those things that will open the doors of people's heart. Because eventually they'll say, you know, I want that too. I want what you've got. Simply because one day, 
you noticed you had an opportunity for influence. And we're going to sing a song now called Authority. It's a declaration that Jesus Christ is the greatest influence. That at his authority, things must change. And at his word, things will happen. We get to live with that authority in us every day. And so I want us, as we sing this, as we declare this, that Christ has all authority, I want you to sing it over your workplace, wherever it is that you have influence. I want God to put a boldness in our spirit again, so I am with the one who has all authority. I don't need to be ashamed of the gospel, that your influence will have a greater impact than you may ever realize. So we're going to stand, and we're going to declare that Jesus Christ will have all authority. He will have authority in your workplace. He'll have authority in your family. He'll have authority in this church, authority in this region. That we'll see his kingdom come and lives changed. So why don't you stand and let's sing that together.